welcome to A Slice of Orange, a podcast on North Orange County politics with me, Jody Balma, professor of political science. It is November 12th. We're still talking about election returns, so things may change by five o'clock tonight. But uh, right now we're going to talk with Stephen Sherry, uh, alum of Fullerton College and one of the founders of New Wave Strategies. Stephen, welcome. Thanks. It's, it's, it's a pleasure to be here, Jody. So we want to talk about elections and campaigning during pandemic, all of these fascinating sort of things as we break things down, as we're still waiting for uh, returns to come in. And there are some local elections that are waiting every night for the five o'clock update. But uh, tell me a little bit about your company and what you did this election cycle. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I'm from Orange County and I saw the political changes occurring here in Orange County. Um, the shift to uh, purple slash blue county um, and really providing a lot of opportunity for Democrats. Um, and, you know, I, I, I've viewed that um, as sort of an, an example to replicate across the country. Um, as you see, demographics are changing in, in other states as well. I think that Orange County could be a lesson for a lot of um, other areas. And so um, earlier this year, my co-founder Jamie and I started New Wave Strategies after we wrapped up work on um, Tom Steyer's presidential campaign. And our goal was to sort of democratize the tools of campaigns. We know that there's a lot of resources for large campaigns. Um, there's a lot of technology for large campaigns, um, but it's quite expensive. And once you bring um, that attention down to smaller races where there's less money, um, there's less interest by um, consulting firms in the first place, um, it's very hard to um, use some of those same tools and same efficiencies um, on smaller races that you that you would have on larger races. And so that's really been our goal. It's been to um, make campaigning easier for those running at a, at a lower level, what we call down ballot races, um, so that you uh, turn out people that you would want running for office, meaning it might be hard for a, uh, a school teacher to run for office because they don't have the network of donors that you know a small businessman might. So when you have people running for office, a lot of it skews towards wealthier, um, typically white um, men who have these existing donor networks. And so if you remove that barrier, you can have more candidates running. And part of our goal and has so been many to remove of those, that barrier. So many of those campaigns are, you know, one person running the whole thing, maybe recruiting right. their, you know, family to help. Absolutely. But and their family to donate too. And so you have right. a lot of candidates who, you know, after a certain point do not want to ask their family for any more money. Um, so how can we expand that? You know, there's a lot of money in democratic politics and whether you, um, you know, agree with that or not, it is there and, and we might as well use and capture some of that for smaller races, down ballot races. And so that's what new wave strategies focuses on. We do have one client here in orange County um, in La Habra, and we have another one up in Berkeley, but we also represent clients in uh, Texas, Michigan, um, and, um, you know, hopefully throughout the country over the next couple of years. And so, um, so those we do are two have a, states we that clearly we've, uh, heard a lot about, uh, and we're waiting anxiously on election night. So tell us what you learned working in those states that we might not know in California. Right. Well, Michigan is part of the blue wall that Democrats wanted to take back. And there was a lot of resources, um, that were diverted to, um, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin in particular, um, as well as, as some in Ohio, which didn't quite work out. But you, you're, you're going to see now um, 
that those three states have turned back blue. And the reason why there were so many resources um, dedicated to those three states is because Democrats lost those three states in 2016, and they felt very, um, you know, those are the bread and butter Democratic voters. At least that's what the party views for a long yeah. time. Those have been the bread and butter voters. And so the party was quite embarrassed and wanted to ensure that those seats were, uh, right. those uh, electoral votes were taken back. And then also working on down ballot races. So we had a we had a race in rural Michigan, and um, she captured um, the largest percent of, of uh, largest percentage of votes that a Democrat ever has. Um, there was a lot of turnout um, in the district, um, but unfortunately, there was also a lot of turnout for for Trump and Republicans. Um, you know, the opponent that we that we were running against in that race was one of the leaders of the group that marched on the Capitol and landing with their um, with their weapons. And I don't know if you remember this, but yes. um, several months ago, um, they did they did walk into the Capitol with machine guns and um, semi-automatic weapons and take pictures and, and try to try to show the Michigan um Governor Gretchen Whitmer that they were not going to obey her um, state home um, and uh, COVID nineteen protocols, right. and so it, it you know it was a noble thing to run against that person who had supported Michelle right. Hoytanga is her name who had supported that sort of protest. But again, we came up short, but we we got the most amount of votes with the least amount of resources and not being able to do traditional campaigning. In a traditional campaign, she would have knocked right. on doors. Right. That's, and I then, mean, the pandemic just upended everything. Absolutely. But it also gave, it, it also gave the ability for a reset. Um, yes. And I think we should definitely talk about that as well. But I'll talk about Texas a little bit too, because Texas, I think you could say um, a lot of people viewed as a disappointment. I think that we have some different, um, I have some different interpretations of it. Um, in Texas, you know, there was a lot of talk about potentially Texas turning blue, um, fueled by um, you know, suburban voters and fueled yeah. by potentially a Latino vote. Um, sure. And, and better O'Rourke and his success. Right. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think that there are definitely trends in Texas that people are hoping will accelerate. Uh, I think it's coming down the road, but not yet. Right. And the Republicans, you know, Texas is their um, blue wall. Um, yeah. And so if you lose Texas, you lose a lot of credibility as a party if yeah. you're a Republican. And there, I think Democrats underestimated um, the embarrassment that I think that they suffered in um, when Beto ran and how close Beto got to unseating Ted Cruz, um, yeah. you know, within several points. And I think that, um, you know, people were quite embarrassed about that and also did not like the talk. And Democrats tend to do this. We tend to have our secret plans and then like just show them to everyone and so you know Democrats we're so put proud a, of them like a bond villain <laughs> right <laughs> we're like our evil secret plans that i will now publish in the new york times and um and and one of them was we're gonna you know we're gonna and and we're gonna have all this attention and focus and we're gonna take back text or we're gonna we're gonna turn texas blue and republicans um republicans were not gonna stand by and and um so, it turns out Republicans also have cable TV. Right. It turns out Republicans also can do grassroots organizing, which yes. is an interesting thing. That, um, And you look at Texas, there are some good things, right? Um, you, you had m as many Democrats this time vote for Joe Biden as voted for Donald Trump in 2016, right? So Democrats did 
their job in turning out a lot of voters. Right. The 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 flip side of the coin is that Republicans also did a very good job at growing right. it and turning out, out their voters. Yeah. That it's only a positive if the other side doesn't do the same thing. Sure. And there was a lot of enthusiasm for Trump. And you saw really them, I think, um, you know, my partner, um, my business partner, Jamie, is from Texas. And so she was having firsthand accounts of, you know, um, this thing, this phenomenon called the Trump train um, and the Trump rallies that would occur. And um, they beat Democrats at their own game. Um, They were grassroots organizing in a way we weren't. Um, You know, we were social distancing, leaving flyers on people's doors. Right. Um, and they were having rallies where they were registering people to vote and they were generating enthusiasm around President right. Trump and, and collecting cell up phone and down numbers. ballots. Absolutely. Correct. Right. Collecting data. Yeah. Um, so, you know. And for Californians, you know, you know, we just had the anniversary of, of Prop 187 where the Republicans really, you know, alienated a lot of Latino voters in California. That is not true in Texas. No. Uh, you know, they have all the way, you know, I remember George W. Bush in 2000 with huge Latino support um, because the Republican Party of Texas uh, has not made the same mistakes that the Republican Party of California has. And so when we look at the Rio Grande Valley and see, you know, Trump leading uh, a lot of counties with Latino votes, I, I I think that it's important to look at the outcomes with a scalpel and not a sledgehammer, right? Not to say that, oh, Democrats screwed up with all Latinos, but to understand exactly what the mistakes were. Right. And and the 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 valley is what it's called, is is a very um Latino population, um, very large Latino population, um you could say disadvantaged and was particularly hit hard by COVID-19. And so Democrats, I think, got a little giddy about their prospects. Um, But you also see a lot of individuals in the Valley support, let's say, tough um, um, border um, policies. And even even as um, a Latino population, they say, well, we still support the border wall um, in a way. And you might not see necessarily support the border wall because um, there's a lot of people who don't support the border wall, but at least tough on immigration policies, um, you know, they want public For safety in their community. Reasons. They want economic, right. They want economic security. And, right. um, and there is, there is sort of a mentality. I think that Democrats have, um, have co-opted the Latino community in a much different way than, than you have in, in California. For instance, when you go into, into the Valley and some of these populations in Texas, it's, it's not a monolithic Latino population and right. they don't like when Democrats put on flyers, Latinx, um, yes. for instance, they go, what is this? Right. You, this is a, a term invented by, um, white people. And I don't, I don't, um, you know, I don't, view it as something that is that is my community and so there's this weird tension where you have um you have i would say progressives in the latino community um potentially alienating some of the the moderate and conservative members of the latino community um by you know via change and stuff that is occurring social um change and i think you saw that play out here in a way that potentially Latino women, I would say, probably voted for Biden at a much higher clip. But Latino men, for instance, um, probably voted for Trump um, in a way that we maybe did not expect. Right. And I think that perhaps 
um, going forward, the next successful Democratic candidate will have to be able to fight a war on two fronts, which is he will have to win uh, rural voters um, and urban voters in in the upper north northeast and um, and Midwest, but will also have to be able to speak to Spanish voters, um, Latino voters. Right. Um, which, in, which brings us Midwest. back to the idea of what your company is doing, which is, you know, really micro targeting, making sure that there are electronic, you know, messages for the right audience, something that, you know, the tech world has perfected, but the campaigning is still so archaic in some ways. Yeah, campaigning is very, um, it's very the, the, resistant to change is what I'll say, which is weird, right? Because you see on the social front, a lot of changes occur very quickly, driven by um, by, um, you know, social causes and things like this. But when it comes down to the, to the actual structure of campaigns, they, they are, campaigns are resistant to changes. Um, you have consultants that set up their structures, um, in a way that prevents risk. Um, and, um, the technologies that, that campaigns overwhelmingly use is still, um, pr uh, print. So they're still sending right. mail at such large quantities. Um, and when you, if you dive into, and everyone here that's listening can go um, onto the FEC website and look at candidates' disclosure forms, and you can see how much money they spend on mail um, and consultants. And you'll see that there's not a lot of room for other things. And it is right. quite expensive to have a very good digital strategy. And so sometimes that just gets completely thrown to the wayside in favor of mail. Um, and I, if you've been in Orange County um, this this election cycle, you probably got a lot of mail. Right. Um, I would say it does not work very well, especially if it's not targeted. Um, I got a lot of um, mail that I shouldn't have got, which is a, just a complete waste of money. Um, right. right. Where you can be much more targeted when you use the digital strategy. And let's face it, that's where people are right now. Yes. Um, people are online. Right. Um, and so campaigns are not investing in this. I would say large campaigns are, right? Joe Biden um, has a digital strategy, but right. um, Gil Cisneros might not. Um, and especially even, you know, city council races, which we had a city council race in La Habra, Peter Cruz, and I I'm, I think we ran a great digital strategy. We focused um, on um, the Latino population in some ads and had um, you know, Spanish and, and, and Spanish um, specific ads, Korean specific. Um, and then we targeted Republicans with ads that, um, you know, would, um, right. that would resonate more with an independent slash Republican voter who might not like the other members, um, on the right. city council or who might not like Trump. And because of that might, you know, vote for Democrats down ballot. Um, right, right. Yeah. There's but so a lot many of people are doing to it. slice the electorate. Absolutely. And, and there's tons of data that exists and it's yeah. not being used. You know, it's sort of like everyone is sort of like um, Smeagol and Lord of the Rings and, and it's my <laughs> precious data, yes. but, the, yes. but they don't actually do anything with it. And if you're not doing anything with it, it doesn't make any sense to me. Or right. if you're not doing it effectively. And, it and doesn't Peter make Cruz, another alum of Fullerton College. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And, and, and we haven't heard the last of him, you know, I think sometimes, uh, when you have such candidates with long name recognition, like Res Rosie Espinosa and Tim Shaw in La Habra, I think that it can sometimes be hard to to penetrate that that wall of name recognition. Um, and sure. so I, I have no doubt that he'll be back. Well, and I think it's specifically, you know, when you're running for city council, it's it's the best way to get your 
um, to get your votes is to knock on people's doors and have those conversations. Um, and it's not always the case with politics. I think right. um, Gil Cisneros sending volunteers out to knock on doors is, is not quite as effective. But if you're Peter Cruz and you are knocking on doors and you right. live in the city and you're running for city council and someone can tell you, hey, our street is in terrible disrepair and, right. you know, what are you going to do to fix it? Or, um, you know, this electrical wire is still not whatever. And so you can get to those to those to those very fine issues that, you know, Gil, Gil's campaign is not going to be able to handle. But Peters might be able to and he might be able right. to have a response. And he was not able to do that this time. Right. And I right. think that. um you know, the next time Peter runs, and I know he will run again we, for something. We've not heard the end of Peter. I, I, I think you're correct on that. Um, and he rightfully should. Um, I think you'll see that he'll do better once COVID is, 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 is over because he'll be able to go and speak to people about right. the issues that they care about. Right. Yeah. And, and, and clearly, you know, the, the upside of that uh, is that we had a lot of electronic meetings, but you've got to be in the know to go to those electronic meetings. You have to, you know, have the Zoom number and you've got to be invited. And that was nice for me to be able to not leave my house, but it, it doesn't get to the low information voters or the people who are just not in those inside circles. Well, you're mostly speaking to your supporters on those calls. Right. Um, and you're not, yeah, you're, like you said, you're not, you're not speaking to those who might not be voting and you want to right. encourage to vote um, or to those who might be voting for the people they've seen on the ballot for years and years. Um, yeah. So let's switch uh, to, uh, to, to local races and, um, you know, Congress in Orange County. Uh, so oh. the Democrats look like they're losing two of the four that they picked up. Um, Harley Ruda conceded um, Gil Cisneros is behind. Uh, and so, you know, again, today is Thursday, so we shall see what happens in the next few days as the number of votes that have not been counted dwindle uh, to almost nothing. And uh, that, the, the, the trend seems pretty clear. So wh what do you think about that? Why, why did Democrats lose? Well, I, you know, I've said for, for a couple of years now that I think Gil's a big uh, risk. Um, and I thought that Harley Ruda was a big risk just because of the demographics of his district. I think Harley Ruda um, was generally a, a pretty good um, congressman for his district. Um, he yeah. took on a lot of issues like airport noise to try to get the, the voters near Newport Beach and stuff like that, but also was was not afraid to, to flex his democratic muscles when it came to important votes. And I think that um, you know, he tried to balance that. He tried to walk that line. Um, and he ran against Michelle Steele, who's a, uh, you know, um, um, board of supervisors, county, county board of supervisor. And, and, um, she has name recognition and yeah. she, she put together a good campaign. But I think that, you know, when I look at Harley Ruda, I'm, I, I go that we lost a good person in Congress, I think. Yeah. And I and, don't and know Michelle if Michelle Steele, Steele, you know, obviously married to Sean Steele, you know, former Orange County Republican chair, very well connected in the Republican party, uh, had tremendous resources. Right. She, she had a lot of resources. Um, and you know, I just think that there there might not have been much the Democrats could have done to because um, I don't I look at it this way I don't think Michelle Steele is a particularly good candidate right so when I, when I stack her up next to Harley Ruda I go I don't really know if she's compelling in a way that um, that 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 young Kim might be right 
but they they had the infrastructure and they had the the resources at hand because of the family because of um the way that they were able to to use the existing position she's a board of supervisor the way you know she was able to generate per, perhaps some enthusiasm off of covid and the lockdown and things in her position on the orange county board of supervisors um and so you look at that and you go there might not have been anything harley could have done different um but if you look at Gill's race, I've said I've said this for a while now. He, he's a, at risk, and when Obama endorsed him this year, I said he's really doing bad in polling, internal right. polling. Because why would Obama endorse Gil Cisneros? I mean, it right. doesn't really make any sense to me. That shows that his campaign was reaching out to the Democratic Party and saying, "Look, we really need help." Um, yeah. And Young Kim is a good candidate. Young Kim in. In 2018, went to the freshman Republican um, celebration right. in Washington D.C., and she she was not going to be um, she was not going to be stopped. And frankly, Young Kim has run for a lot of things in this uh, in this in this district up here in North Orange County. Um, she ran for assembly, won a couple times, lost a couple times. Um, she is the student of Ed Royce, um, and I yeah. think she's very good at at working the community. And when you look at Gill, I don't think he was particularly compelling um, and unfortunately didn't really have anything to define him um, in Congress. And yeah. so therefore people did not have a lot of enthusiasm um, and I will say that, around his um, vote. You know, I, I think I said it last time when I was going over results with uh, uh, Dr. Sarah Hill from Cal State Fullerton. On the last show, uh, my kids have anti Gil Cisneros ads memorized from YouTube. Right, um, right. You know, the Young Kim campaign did an excellent job of of ads on YouTube and ads on, uh, you know, other other social media sites. No, I, I completely agree. I think Young Kim w had a much better, much better digital strategy, um, and. You know, we talked about this. I would, I was getting Young Kim stuff all the time. I wasn't getting Gil things. The only thing I saw for Gil was mail or TV, right? right. And that is, that is the the mentality of some of these campaigns is they're stuck in the dinosaur ages and they're not willing to um, invest in yeah. the digital infrastructure. That, um, you know, frankly, a lot of Republicans do better than Democrats. Trump had a much better digital infrastructure. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And, and I don't know, uh, you know, about M Michelle Steele, but I, I know, you know, my students who attend Korean churches in the neighborhood say, you know, people are talking about Young Kim every week. She's yeah. coming to events, socially distant or electronic. Uh, but, but, you know, that, that church factor is really big. And I think the polls miss that. Yeah. No, Young Kim is certainly not, um, this is not a result of uh, this is a result of young Kim doing a really good job campaigning. And she's demonstrated that she's been able to do that, um, you know, throughout the last decade in orange County. Um, and uh, I, I, you know, I, I frankly, I, I kind of saw this coming just because she's able to galvanize the community and yeah. draw on these relationships. Um, she was an assembly member for a short period. She Jeez. did a lot for the community um, while she was an assembly member. Um, and she attended many, many events at Fullerton College, you know, probably more events in her two years than the last 20 years of Republicans because they had a safe seat that they didn't need to campaign for. Right. Right. 
So let's talk Senate, where the Democrats did a lot better and the Republicans now have it. They're on track with John Morlock and Lingling Chang losing Senate races, if that holds, uh, to um, have no representation in the state Senate for Orange County. And the Democrats hold both of those seats with um, uh, Dave Min and, and Josh Newman. Yeah, um, I you know, I, it's it's kind of remarkable, isn't it? Um, <laughs> the amount of, um, uh, representation for the Republicans in Sacramento is, is ever shrinking. Um, and you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to see Gil Cisneros lose and Harley Ruda lose, but yet these Senate races, um, yeah. uh, go for Democrats. Um, I, I find it, um, interesting. I, I find it. Um, and I'm in a, an assembly district where, you know, it looks like a Republican wins Congress by a tiny bit. Josh Newman wins the Senate by a larger margin, and then Phil Chen by a huge margin huge keeps margin. his assembly seat. When I, I mean, goodness, I, I'm pretty sure that my postman can claim workers' comp from, uh, you know, repetitive stress just by carrying the mailers that were in that Andrew Rodriguez Phil Chen matchup. It, it was overwhelming how much mail I was getting every single day. Well, we were getting we were getting some television stuff too here even in fullerton which is not phil chen's district yeah um i think that was a very i mean i just say democrats um should not have done that um in my opinion there was no reason to and they spent a lot of money a lot a of money a lot of money too much way too much money um to unseat frankly a very popular republican moderate assembly member who Really well, and that, and that moderate is kind of interesting because the very thing that he was being attacked for in those negative mailers of abstaining from votes, missed votes, um, it, some of those abstentions were because he did not agree with what the Republican Party wanted. He's in the minority in the assembly, so he definitely wasn't going to be the deciding vote. So he abstained from voting against his party and got attacked for it. And I don't think the voters understood that nuance. No, I think they just know they knew that Phil Chen was not, um, you know, some radical person they were trying to characterize him as. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and frankly, I think a lot of people went, who is Andrew Rodriguez? Um, and and the, I don't think they did a very good job of saying that, you know, they might have done a good job of saying Phil Chen is a, is a big monster, but why would they, but, but, but yet you didn't get really give a reason for someone to vote for Andrew Rodriguez. Yeah. It was sort it was of so negative. It was all negative And it was, you know, um, you know, about abortion and things, which I, I just, I, I don't know. I don't think it, it, it really it wasn't galvanizing with the community and they know Phil and, and, um, it just it just demonstrated that you can't just throw money at everything and and really have results, yeah. especially if you don't have the ability to pull him away from some of those community networks that I think really, frankly, enjoy his leadership. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, I don't so think, the I splitting think of, votes, of votes because the same voters clearly, you know, had a number of these races all overlapping, and so you know, young Kim coming slight margin, Josh Newman, a bigger margin, but still very close. And then Phil Chen just walking away from it. Clearly there's a split of votes across party lines. Which is really interesting. And I think yeah. shows that, you know, that we have a level of, um, I think we have a level of um, 
we our voting system here works in a way that I think doesn't necessarily cross the rest of the country, meaning people are voting on races for um, for the candidates in that race and not necessarily just marking down ballot Democrats. Um, yeah. And I think that Democrats are giddy about this result because they got some Senate seats and whatever. But I would be worried in saying I, I if I'm a Democrat, I'm worried I'm looking at this and as, as an example of what potentially Democratic voters could do in the future, saying, you know, yes, we'll vote for um, Katie Porter because we we love her, but, you know, it's getting out of control in Sacramento, and um, and we're going to vote for a new Republican Party that might emerge in the next four to six years here in California, led by people like Young Kim and Phil Chen, who are not Trump, um, right. um, you know, um, they, they are not towing the line of the Trump rhetoric, and they are sort of the face, in my opinion, of, of, of a new Republican Party potentially starting here in California. Um, at least their style and their rhetoric and their and their policy. Yeah, I keep priorities. waiting for that, right? Like I keep waiting for the California Republicans to define themselves differently. Um, I'm still waiting because um, I I think that there are so many voters that support Trump, um, even in Orange County where Biden won. But mm-hmm. I, I think he's you know, Trump still had a tremendous amount of support, but I keep hoping for that new version. And, you know, I I sort of jokingly asked a couple of Democratic leaders of like, how many seats do you need in Sacramento? It's true. And I think that people are getting a little worried. I think you want, I think you want um, there to be some sort of um, um, debate or, you know, know, a one party state has dangers. Um, it has a lot of dangers, especially if And it doesn't represent the state. No, it really doesn't. I mean, California had more votes for Trump than Texas did. So, right. I mean, there there is a significant amount of Republicans in this state who are just being completely abandoned by the California Republican Party, in my opinion. Um, and, you know, you might say, well, that's what the voters want, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it's your job as a party to transition yourself into uh, into into a into a. Um, you know, operation that can win. Ultimately, you right. have to win for your voice to matter. And they're not right. doing that in any significant way. They picked up some congressional seats. But if you look at Sacramento, it's just and Democrats over time will start chipping away at, at city yeah. and county board of supervisors as well, because especially after COVID. I think that the Orange County soups are, are, are at risk. Um, because of their response to COVID over the next couple of years, uh, in my opinion, but it didn't um, it didn't resonate in the 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 supervisors race that we had District One with with Andrew Doe and uh, um, Sergio Contreras, which didn't yet. surprised me that it wasn't as close. And now, obvious, you know, we play the musical chairs game of if Michelle Steele is going to Congress, then her seat is up for a special election and. Oh, there's John Morlock who just lost his Senate race. So that might be where he comes. But um, yeah, I was kind of surprised that uh, the, the, um, that, that it wasn't closer with Andrew Doe. And, and he's an incumbent, but the, the response uh, uh, to the pandemic has, has been, you know, if you're paying attention, the supervisors have been part of the problem. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you're right. It hasn't resonated. And I don't think that Democrats have focused enough attention yeah. on some of these smaller races. 
Particularly and, and city you, council you too. Like, and I know it's different pots of money, right? I know that the the assembly pot of money is different from the the Orange County Democrats. But like, if a a, a portion of the money that had gone into the assembly race that was unsuccessful yeah. had gone into Sergio Contreras's race, uh, that could have made a big difference. And I just well, wonder. And the Democrats need to, uh, I, you know, I don't know what it is, but the, the decision for Andrew Rodriguez to run is Andrew Rodriguez's decision, but the decision by the party to support him in the way they did is the party's decision. And frankly, I think that needs to be looked at. Um, and if there's this siloing of money by the Democratic Party in California where you can't just zoom out to 30,000 feet and go, we should spend that money on the supervisor races and on city council races in some of these cities that are still shockingly red, um, even right. though they're voting for Katie Porter at very large clips. Why can't we turn that, you know, if I'm the Democratic Party, I say, well, I don't need any more assembly races, right? I don't need any more. <laughs> right. Um, and maybe you give the money to Josh Newman, right? Because you you feel you know, feel really upset about that and you feel really upset for the fact that he was recalled and you want Josh Newman's leadership back in the Senate. I understand that. But I don't think you need to be going out there and necessarily putting millions of dollars into assembly races um, against very quite popular um, Republic, moderate Republican um, assembly yeah. members, incumbents, yeah. you know, um, and, and, and instead of course, Michelle in, investing Steele's district that money. is even more, uh, you know, Republican in voter registration. And so I don't, I'm not really sure that it'll be a competitive race. And there might be multiple Republicans that jump in, um, not wanting to just give it back to uh, John Morlock, who has served in, in the past. So I think that the supervisor stays for one. I, I agree. I agree. And um, there's a lot of Republicans on that bench there with name recognition. Yeah. Who, um, you know, I think Morlock's clearly the favorite. I've, I, there's been rumor for a long time that Morlock would, you know, would go back, would go to the Orange County supervisors. Um, yeah. And I well, think and, that. And on some level, it's just more fun to be in the majority. Right. It's it's well, right. really and, discouraging to be in the minority in Sacramento. Right. And. Yes, and John Morlock, um, I don't think he he enjoys that, <laughs> right? You know, yeah. and it's a uh, lot more so, fun to get things done and and to have right. a you know bigger staff and uh, not have to travel. I mean, the the Orange County Board of Supervisors is a good gig. Yeah, but it, it is you know John Morlock is a is a reasonable um, uh, legislator, and you know it 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 is it is. It, they will lose that that voice um, in in Sacramento, and again, it will it will be one less Republican voice um, yeah. pushing back against the Democratic supermajority. Um, and yeah. you know, right now it comes down to before when you had this, we had Governor Jerry Brown, who was um, you know conservative in many ways, and you could say um, you know yeah. steered the party in in some sort of direction that that was not entirely uh, you know didn't allow the party to entirely swing left in sacramento and right. with gavin newsom you've seen him try to do that but um he's going to get bulldozed over by sacramento if yeah. if if yeah. at some point if he doesn't go along with what they want right. so today we're looking at you know voter turnout in orange county of 86 percent, which is just unheard of and and huge credit to Neil Kelly for keeping a, you know, very up-to-date roster because that definitely helps with voter turnout when you take the folks that have moved out and who have died off your roster. It gives you a much cleaner 
uh, turnout. But that's incredible. Incredible to have 86%. Neil Kelly is fantastic. um, And he's done a good job for a number of years here in Orange County. But I think that um, yeah, Orange County is a highly educated um, area. Um, there was a lot of critically important races um, from city council to um, to some of these congressional seats, which were national targets endorsed by former President Obama, some candidates. You had Katie Porter, right? And right. Katie Porter, you know, flips that the Gil Cisneros, I need to I need to stand right in the center narrative and says, I'm just going to be me. And yeah. I'm going to make a lot of noise in Congress. Um, and so I'm on CNN and MSNBC and people know me and they know right. that you might disagree her with me or whatever, but right. Her whiteboard. And I'm, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a single mom and like, I'm just very compelling. Right. And right. Um, I'm not hiding behind anything. This is me. Right. And she seems to, she seems to understand her district and, um, yes. and, you know, performs very well. Um, but I, I would say that, yeah, some of the the larger races in Orange County, which got national attention and a lot of money, you know, truly helped with turnout as well. But I also think that Orange County is a place where Trump is not very is not very popular, um, right. at least compared to what you would think of in a Republican county. And I think that. Um, you know, you had in Orange County people who really like you saw across the country. Um, and this will drive out turnout. You had a lot of people who were passionately opposed to Donald Trump, and you had a lot of people who were were passionate about Donald Trump, and that meant that everybody was coming out to vote. Um, you yeah. had an opinion; it wasn't going to be changed, and you were coming out to vote. You were conscious on the ballot. So now, the race that I check every single night at five p.m. is uh, my own Brea Olinda Unified School District. It um, has been tight every day, uh, and last night it's tied. Uh, 1,786 votes for Lauren Barnes and 1,786 votes for Gail Lyons. Um, I'm not sure what happens with a tie. I've never had to investigate that for the school board. Each district sets their own rules. But um, uh, we may be drawing cards. We may be flipping a coin. I don't know how a tiebreaker breaks, but there are still, you know, 20,000 votes. Who knows how many will be in this little tiny district in Brea. Um, and, and whether or not we'll get an outcome. But I say all the time, uh, local politics matters. So let's talk local politics. Um, let's talk the city of Fullerton. District face yeah. well, elections. Just to, I will say, uh, you know, when you say oh, we're going to flip a coin, it's uh, it's not as crazy as you think. In the Iowa caucuses, if there is a tie, you do flip a coin. And in the Nevada caucuses, if there is a tie, you draw cards. So yeah. this does occur in politics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, I, I think uh, a, a place uh, in, oh, I don't remember if it's North Carolina or one of the East Coast states where uh, they drew eggs out of a hat and one okay. was colored. And I was like, oh, how quaint that they have eggs that they <laughs> color for this. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I've, I've put in a, a call to the superintendent's office just uh, in case, but I'm hoping that the 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 vote total will get a few more and 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 the the winner will be clear. Um, yeah. I can't imagine the you know the sting of defeat when you lose with the electorate, but wow, drawing a card or flipping a coin has got to be extra tough. Yeah. So, City of Fullerton, three races. We had um, Fred Jung win in District 1, Nick Dunlop easily, which, uh, you know, is really a credit to him out of a field of four 
uh, to have such a such a decisive almost 50% of the vote went to him. Um, and then uh, still close, uh, Bruce Whitaker is up by a couple hundred votes in District 4, the incumbent there. Um, what do you think about Fullerton? And and bigger picture, I think in a lot of these nonpartisan races where people are running not with a political party label, not as Democrat or Republican, um, but the races, the campaigns themselves have become very partisan. The, the political parties are endorsing candidates in these down-ballot races. Um, uh, you know, labor unions and, and other endorsers are definitely endorsing based on partisan factors. But do the voters identify with that? Do the voters know that these are becoming partisan, just not giving you the shortcut on the ballot? I, I don't. I don't know. Um, I, I don't think it is as much as we would think. Um, there is no D or R on the ballot, and so um, the the outreach that would that would have to be done would, would be through mail and through convincing voters through digital and email that they are a Democrat and therefore you should vote for them. Um, but I, I also think that you know this time um, the city council races. Uh, <laughs> a lot of it came down to. What were you doing in the community? How are you engaging the community? Your branding, um, and you know whether or not your message um, resonated with the folks in, in that community, and and probably less on your party affiliation. Um, I would say that would be my initial thing, and and it's really interesting to see in Fullerton, um, Fred Jung um, was it was very close, but Fred Jung ran a really good campaign. Um, I think he's he's a compelling candidate. Nick Dunlap, which is where I live, um, really outperformed. Um, yeah, I would say my expectations, and I knew that it was going to be. I knew that I. Th- I knew that Dr. Kazi would um, would probably come in second, um, but I think that he still got quite a bit of votes in this area, which is heavily Republican as well. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, we did. I mean, there was a lot of speculation about how the the vote would split between four candidates. Um, you know, but I, yeah, I think Dunlop definitely outperformed. Um, I moderated that, uh, that, that League of Women Voters Forum and, you know, he was definitely well prepared as was Quasi, Dr. Quasi, um, you know, definitely had good answers. So I'm not surprised by this lineup, nothing, you know, not to take away from the other two candidates, but, um, you know, Nick Dunlop definitely knows the city. He's, he's, well known in the city, which was clear by the number of yard signs in people's homes, right? There's a difference right. between public yard signs that are all around, which I always think of just psychological warfare between the candidates of I have more signs than you right. um, and and signs in people's homes, which is really a personal endorsement. I agree. And, uh, you know, I live on a street where there's usually not very many signs, um, but there were a lot of signs this time. A lot of them were for Dr. Kazi. I live by St. Jude Medical Center, and there were a lot of doctors in the community. And regardless of their uh, party affiliation, I think that they um, saw Dr. Kazi as one of their own and mm-hmm. someone that knew about public health. And they wanted that person to to be um, in a position of leadership. Um, now on the, the other side, you had, um, you know, I think you, you had a lot of things working against Democrats in Fullerton this cycle, you had a sales tax on the measure, uh, a sales right. tax measure on the ballot. And I think a lot of people were, um, I, I mean, I would use the word offended, I think by, by this measure going on the ballot. And I think that they probably associated that with Democrats, 
and therefore you had Republicans really perform quite well in um, in Fullerton. Yeah. You have Whitaker who won um, in um, which district is it? But um, you had Whitaker, Bruce Whitaker won, um, and that was really surprising to me um, that he performed so well. I think a lot of it was the was the sales tax measure and people associating taxes, regulations. There was a firework measure as well, yeah. and I think that people just went, "We're done," and we're yeah. in the middle of a um, you know um, economic crisis, a, a global health. A pandemic and you're charging for parking downtown now and you know this yeah. is just one straw and and that sales far. tax i mean was defeated decisively i mean you yeah. know 57 percent against it and and 60 percent against the firework measure which i i was a little bit surprised how many voted against the firework measure just because they were so so bad this year um but you know the the fundraising from that in local and and the safe and sane clearly are not the 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 fireworks that there were the problem um but the the fundraiser uh for the the local teams and and the booster clubs you know i think was a decisive factor in wanting to keep the fireworks yeah and i think that there's this there's there was a sentiment in fullerton that um the leadership has failed for a long time. And, um, you know, I think there's this idea. I talked to a lot of people in Fullerton and regardless of district, there's always a sense of Fullerton's out of money always. Right. And that's why we're charging for parking downtown and we're doing the these streets are things. terrible. Ranked the, the streets are County. horrible. Um, and we don't have the community resources of a city like Anaheim or a city yeah. like Brea. We don't have, um, some we don't have a lot of those things. Um, right. Our parks, I would say, are in disrepair compared to some of the cities around us. You know, we're a very large, wealthy city. Yes. Um, we pay a lot. And over the last couple of years, things that have happened in Fullerton are um, our water rates went up um, considerably. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I think, impacted. And especially for larger homes, because the fitting, they, they charged you a larger percent. They they. You, you got an extra fee on your water bill depending on the size of the pipe coming into your house, which meant that it was it was larger homes. And yeah. this did not uh, affect renters, right? And and so you have a lot of people in Fullerton who have have, have these types of, of um, lines coming into their house and are paying considerably more for water. So when you when you when you add that to um, economic uncertainty, when you add that to um, the let's just say the Democrats, right? Even though it wasn't, it was the whole city council voted for this, but you could say the, not the whole city council, but it, the, the city council voted to put this on the ballot. Um, you could say the Democrats are voting for a tax increase and not a little tax increase up to 9% right. um, a sales tax. And, you know, they want to take people's fireworks away. And I think it just created this atmosphere where people were like, you know, we're done with this and something's yeah. wrong in Fullerton. And, um, we're paying too much money. We're not getting the services we need. And, and that's why you got the, the results this way. Um, yeah. and it didn't necessarily make any sense. Um, but Nick Dunlap was definitely going to win in this district, especially because he talked about water rates. He talked right. about taxes. Right. So he's, he's a property developer. He resonated yeah. with these folks. Right. Now the surprising one was Bruce Whitaker. And I attribute that to the sales tax. I think, um, I think people were really very um, unhappy with that being on the ballot. And they associated right. that with, um, right. with, you know, and, and Bruce Whitaker now, voted against it. the side of that is the city council is going to have to make some really tough choices without that sales tax increase. 
without that money coming in. It definitely would have buoyed. Um, It would have helped the city move through this crisis in a way where now they're going to have to make some cuts and some tough decisions. And and we've already seen massive cuts with the, with the closure of the, the museum, um, you know, with the, the, with the library controversy. So um, they're going to have to make really, really serious cuts. And the, the, the voters have spoken that they don't want to pay higher taxes um, but I think they're also speaking that they don't want services cut. Right. And services are going to get cut and potentially public safety as well. Um, and so, you know, that's something that Fullerton residents are, are going to have to to, yeah. to grapple with as well. And those are very unpopular. And, right. you know, if you want to talk about you know who disproportionately is impacted by service cuts, um, it's it's lower income communities. Um and be- because you know those are the communities that rely on the on the um, on the the the, uh, the the museum and the the yeah. libraries in a way that you know others could work around right yeah. wealth with wealth comes you know um, uh, you know different um, advantages and and so this is disproportionately affecting you know for instance Ahmad Zara's district um, yeah. you know and so how is that how is he going to be um, championing um, the need to 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 not cut so many services on city council and is he is if, is his voice going to be able to resonate with the other city council members right. um yeah yeah and and so anaheim another city that has gone to districts and obviously has the outsized impact of the independent expenditures from disney or soar where they put their money um disney won uh this election uh all three of their uh backed candidates won and and on some level uh you know while i think that district-based elections allows grassroots campaigning and door knocking i think it also makes it cheaper for you know organizations to to campaign and have influence in cities and 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 we definitely see that with this race um you know, what are your thoughts on Anaheim and 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 the outcome, and then district-based elections, which I think is the bigger question. Right, I think we all looked at district-based elections as um, an advantage for um, for I would say you know representativeness of communities, right? So people like Ahmad could be elected in Fullerton, yeah. where otherwise they might not be able Fred to. Jung, first Korean American to be on the city council, you know. Absolutely. And which is true. I mean, if you know Fullerton, you go, what do you, you know, and it doesn't, that doesn't make any sense, right? There's a large Korean American community here. Right. And so for the first time, and it, it has not just been here over the last 10 years, right? And so, you know, the fact that we're just now getting a Korean American um, city council member is quite surprising, but it was a result potentially of of the district based elections. But you're right; it is also um, an opportunity for um, you know a Disney to say, "Well, now I have a much smaller pot to give to, and right. um, I can just focus my efforts on these two um, races because I, you know, the other two are already in our, you know on our side anyways." But yeah. I also think that. I also think that there's there's some worry and anger in Anaheim over the impact of a closed Disney, and I yeah. think that oh, of course. Um, that that played well into Disney's um, in, yeah. in, into the you know the efforts that Disney were trying to do um, to to yeah. you know help make yeah, a and favorable. I think Anaheim. I think. Uh, I think- Sympathy for for Disneyland uh, definitely contributed to the failure of Prop 15. 
that they're, you know, a perfect example of a company that should be paying more in property taxes, if only they weren't closed down and losing and laying off thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of workers. Yeah. And the, yeah, the propositions were, um, were a mixed bag across the state, but I think that there, there was this perfect, um, you know, convergence of, of stress and anxiety. And it really, it did this weird thing where in some races it made people riskier. Um, and in some, in others, it made people go, no, you know, right. And, And especially when you were talking about tax increases and whatnot, people were just not for that this time. And they yeah. were not going to vote on that unless it was cannabis. Um, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> tax cannabis so, all you want, right? So we're still waiting for some races again, uh, you know, but but it seems like the picture of election 2020 is becoming more and more clear. Um, you know, what are the what are the last thoughts that uh, you want to leave for people? What what advice do you have for folks who, you know, maybe like Peter Cruz are, are going to run again or people who haven't run before who are going to, um, you know, start their campaigns. Yeah, I think you know the turnout this time was 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 large. It was really big, and it shows that Democrats can get turnout um, when they need to. I think that Orange County is a really exciting place for politics right now. It is it is kind of like a you know it's like a Texas. It's just changing, and the Republican Party is clawing back because if they lose Orange County completely. Um, they have nowhere else in, right. in, in California. And so you're going to see a large effort mounted by Republicans to say, we're not going to give up our ground. Um, and so that's why it's, it's so exciting in Orange County right now, because you have well-funded races on both sides, good candidates in a lot of races um, on both sides. And so it, it leads to these really close elections that you see down to the, you know, tens and hundreds of votes in some of these very large races. Right. Um, uh, you know, and we've seen this for years. And so if you yeah. are in Orange County politics and you're a politico here, you know, pay attention to Orange County, see what the parties are going to do here. The Republicans are very savvy. They know Orange County. This is their home turf and they will not give it up. Um, but I also think that the demographic changes um, and the failure for the Republicans to associate themselves with a larger cause or movement in California, mm-hmm. or just the fact that they're losing so much ground in Sacramento, I right. think will eventually start to have impacts on smaller races. And the more that we associate city council races as as partisan races, um, the more you will see Democrats hopefully be able to chip away um, you know, in some of these races, uh, especially against, you know, uh, incumbents that really should not be on city council anymore. Um, and especially on cities where there might not be strong term limits or term limits at all. So right, uh, you right. will see Democrats chip away at this. But nationally, I think, you know, Democrats did a fairly good job of turning out. Um, California, our turnout is is usually pretty good. Make it very easy for folks to vote. Orange County's eighty six percent turnout is really truly incredible, and I think is um, should be news. Um, it should, you know, be a Neil Kelly really should be an example for counties and states across the country on how to vote yeah. um, um, accurately, how to um, to vote, have things done quickly, um, and really be. Um, someone that both parties likes um, in yeah. that position, right? Um, I think that everybody in Orange County likes Neil Kelly, um, and he's done a really phenomenal job at yeah. making it very easy to vote in this county for a long time now. Um, yeah, absolutely. So those are my, I mean, my thoughts are 
Texas is a little bit like Orange County. It's clawing back, but eventually yeah. the demographic changes. And if Democrats can be allowed to perfect their message and their pitch in Texas and maybe allow, a, you know, there's this problem in the Democratic Party where there's this litmus test and we want everybody to be on the road to progressivism. But it 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 sometimes shackles the messaging they're allowed to do. Um, in states. So if you are the Texas Democratic Party, you know your state, you know the yeah. messaging that works. Yeah. You need to push that messaging regardless of what California right. thinks, right? We can have California Democrats and we can have Texas Democrats and it's yeah. okay. You right. Know? And and that's what my friends in Georgia keep telling me is uh, we've got this. Trust us. We don't need national consultants to come here. We know Georgia. And, and I think that, yeah, that's really the message is that there are really big differences. Yeah. And, you know, right. certainly the Republicans in, in my home, uh, in, uh, you know, my hometown in the, in the Central Valley are very different from Orange County Republicans. Those rural, uh, you know, from the future state of Jefferson up in uh, North yeah. California are, are very different. So, yeah, I think that regional differences really do matter. Absolutely. And just to just the last segue is Josh Harder did a phenomenal job in the Central Valley running as a Democrat unashamed yeah. um, and, and did a very good job in his election and won quite handily. And yeah. so I think that is a is a I think he um, showed how Democrats can win in the Central Valley in a big way. Absolutely. And I think that Democrats should be looking at him. Yeah. Um, as as a way to maybe replicate in some of these races. Josh Harder did a fantastic job yeah. um, in the Central Valley, yeah, yeah, Modesto area. All right. Well, thank you very much for spending some time with me and talking elections. Absolutely. And to Thanks. all of those politically engaged people in Orange County, um, you know, keep at it. It's a very fun um, environment right now. And, yeah. um, and, you know, definitely keep listening to the podcast. Good. Thanks, Stephen. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks, Jody. 